0: call bodies, if you know what I mean.
1: I don't, and that's the part that scares me. <laughs> I, I don't know what you mean.
0: <laughs> do you suffer from acute aggression?
1: I do. I, I deeply suffer from it. To the point where I am so angry that Prince Bacchus doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> it just sometimes drawing him, and I'm just like, but I can't ever hug him!
0: <laughs> need to squeeze. I need to squish the fat fluff. For context, Jess showed me a, a video of little ducklings in a sink, and I just need to squeeze them. Yeah. I used to worry as a child that this made me a psychopath. Uh huh.
1: <laughs> is that the only thing
0: there was my habit of setting fires and murdering small No never mind and there was that
1: serious head injury you got and you did wet your bed until you were 12 and you did kill that guy that one time but he got in your way so he kind of deserved it but
0: (laughs) ah. there were so many potential little niggles but then i decided that i'm fine really yeah yeah
1: yeah you're fine this is fine i have
0: nothing in my cupboard of mysteries yeah
1: i <laughs> one of these days i'm going to get into your unspeakable cupboard of mysteries and i'm <laughs> so
0: excited i would say jess once you're 21 or older <laughs> shit <laughs> I used to have this daydream that I was a cat when I was a child. I read so many damn animal books that I just had these fantasies of hunting birds.
1: That's crazy. Maybe I'm
0: not a psychopath. Maybe I'm a cat.
1: Maybe I'm just a cat. And that's why you hate cats, because... Cats hate other cats.
0: It would explain why I lick my genitals so much.
1: Yeah. That's it. We're cats. Everything's
0: Purry Forever.
1: No, edit that out. That's garbage. <laughs> Fucking no. <laughs> I I'm telling I'm gonna tell you why I don't have any beer, is because I watched watched watership down remotely oh yeah um for the people listening to this in the future this is still locked down we still haven't still haven't worn a bra for three months still haven't bathed for as long (laughs) as that every single day is wednesday now may has gone on for six months Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I watched Watership Down and drank all the beer in the in the universe and so that's why I don't have any beer right now.
0: I want to watch Watership Down now. God, is fucking terrifying. It's actually a very happy movie. What? Okay, but have you read the book?
1: No, and I don't want to because the Black Rabbit of Death and when they're climbing over all the other bodies and the guy's fighting and when Bigwig gets caught in a snare and it's just fucking horrifying.
0: There's one moment in the film where you know that they're not messing around. Which is when that poor little female bunny goes out to, like, nibble a dandelion or something, and then suddenly it's... (laughs) And this little tuft of fur just floats softly down to the ground, and what?! That doesn't even happen in the book. That film
1: introduced the idea of blood and death and suffering to like a tiny little baby Jess. And this is Everything is Awful Forever. Rabbits die. (laughs) The Black Rabbit of Death is coming for you. And you're going to have to scramble over the bodies of your fallen family members to get out and run away from the gassing and the horror and everything. And I'm Jessica Byrne. and What's traumatized? (laughs) What are you talking about? You're
0: traumatized.
1: The Black Rabbit of
0: Death is coming for me Uh, i'm Philippa evans and i think my rabbit basically is general wound (laughs) water oh what a ship down how you have scarred us yeah so that's why i don't have any beer i'm drinking
1: water because because i drank (laughs) i mean to be fair i only had three because of lockdown i can't go out to the shop all the time and get beer so it's laziness really is what i'm saying i don't have beer because of laziness
0: i'm really sorry that you don't have a drink jess because i feel that this is an episode for drinks oh here. i don't really know how to gracefully segue into this topic jess so speaking of things that might come out of your vagina <laughs> rabbits <laughs> Oh my god, the Watership Down was topical.
1: (gasps) Look at us! We accidentally are geniuses. Someone give me an award
0: for something, now. So, vaginas and rabbits. A whole bunch of rabbits came out of Mary Toft's vagina, (laughs) amongst (laughs) other things. (laughs) I wanna call that into being like a saying. You know, it's
1: like <laughs> I don't know. I picked up a saying with my friend, oh I feel like a wasp with a bee sting. It's like, how are you today? Oh, you know how it goes, butch rabbits came out of my vagina. You know, it's gonna it's gonna be an idiom for something. <laughs> oh, no, I'm not Come back to me on this. I haven't decided what it's going to be. I'll I'll think on it.
0: When people ask how you are and you're feeling good, you can say, well, I'm one vaginal rabbit short of being a celebrity, if you know what I mean.
1: <laughs> and no one does, and they back away slowly. <laughs>
0: So that's my topic for this episode. It's the hoax started by Mary Tuft in the early seventeen hundreds, when she claimed to have given birth to a number of rabbits, seventeen in total.
1: A hoax? Spoilers.
0: Oh damn I was ready to... I ruined it. it
1: it's yeah oh beans you did it wrong
0: these claims made by mary tuft i keep wanting to call her mary hoax and i'm going to resist
1: i think you should from now on mary hoax we've <laughs> already said her name but now it's hoaxy hoaxy mary lass
0: so now these claims by hoaxy mary resulted in a number of prominent doctors getting very excited and attracted the attention of king george the first oh but we're going to get on to that. Very good. I'm going to start with a bit of a disclaimer. This episode is going to contain discussions of miscarriage and also the mishandling of a woman by doctors in very intimate ways.
1: Oh.
0: Definitely two topics that I think will be too familiar to too many women today. So don't listen if you think that these things will upset you, is what I'm saying. Or you can, I suppose, give a little
1: warning just before we're about to speak about something that's particularly grim
0: yes when i get to my section that has a more in-depth discussion of mary's miscarriage i'm going to put in another warning Mm. but i would say to assume a fair amount of rabbit related body horror throughout
1: now is that bad that i am quite excited about this
0: i have wanted to talk about this for ages (laughs) i found out about this when i was quite young actually and I always imagined it in my childish mind as being this really cute thing like tiny little baby rabbits hopping out of her and so cute yeah I because I've heard about
1: this before too uh, and I kind of imagined it sort of cutely like laying an egg like it just kind of like pops
0: out and then they're just like go, hop, 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 like hop, a cute hop. cute little oh.
1: white little Easter bunny, like, off we go. <laughs> oh, Jess, I am so very
0: sorry about what I'm going to do. Oh, good, good,
1: <laughs> good. Yes, yes, yes.
0: So, before we get on to Mary's vagina, let's buy a lady a meal first and get to know her. Okay. So Mary Tuft lived in Godalming, spelled Godalming, which is a town in Surrey, with her husband Joshua, three children, and her mother-in-law, Anne. Although sometimes I read as two children. People don't seem to be able to decide, but the children don't have twitching noses and long fluffy ears, so they are <laughs> irrelevant to the story.
1: I'm so proud of you with the pronunciations, but I really wanted you to fuck up something really normal. So you're like, it's in Godamon, and it's in Surrey, and her husband's was Joshua fuck.
0: I'm sure you'll have much occasion for amusement as we go on. Great.
1: Because <laughs> there uh, are a number of names. Yeah, nothing is spelled how it's said and I'm very excited. Okay,
0: It's very difficult and I'm kind of just at the stage where I'm applying for my indefinite leave to remain in Britain so I feel additional pressure to get this right.
1: Yeah, there is an oral part of how do you say Leicester and how is it spelled and how is Worcester spelled and said also and also Reading and just all the others.
0: I'm gonna be like, I really want to live in Reading where I can eat my Worcester sauce. Worcestershire
1: sauce.
0: Worcestershire, and they're just going to boot me out of the country, and we're going to have to do remote recordings from South Africa. And
1: they'll just want one of those like giant rubber stamps that say "no" and just like <laughs> stamp it on your forehead. <laughs> <laughs> no, get out. Oh. No. Okay. Fair enough, though. I mean, you know.
0: I just want to see British people try and move to South Africa and pronounce things like Forienhung. <laughs> then we'll see who gets to invade what countries, is what I'm saying. Gesundheit. So, as the re- newspaper reports at the time constantly remind their readers, Mary Tuft had made the rather dumb choice of being born poor, marrying a poor man <laughs> and living a poor life among the lower classes of Gadaman. What an idiot. Gadaman itself had been hit hard by the decline of the textiles industry, and the wage gap between the wealthy and the poor was steadily increasing, much like today, topical! no topical shit we don't want that here (laughs) wage gap what what Mary's husband Joshua was an unskilled laborer in the cloth industry and she had to help make ends meet by doing whatever job she could find and for women I mean some of this would be domestic jobs like cooking cleaning sewing or they could sometimes steal there was a lot of poor (laughs) relief fraud going on or they could work in the fields. so easy feminine jobs like weeding and gleaning you know things that just break your back yeah back-breaking work
1: and you said you wanted to go pick strawberries
0: it sounded so romantic jess Mm -hmm. i read about it in a book and it seemed very pastoral is what i'm saying it's not you flitting around in a sundress
1: bustily Picking up little strawberries and putting them into your weaved basket that has a checkered bow on the front. It's not that.
0: All the little bunnies would hop up to me, and birds would alight on my fingers. I'd sing a little song, living the dream.
1: <laughs> no, we we're going to become uh, resurrectionists, though. That's that's happening.
0: <laughs> that's big brack brack breaking work too, Jess. Digging in the copse fields. <laughs> Plucking up the corpses, putting them (laughs) in our little basket. In August, when our story starts, Mary was working in a hops field. And I know that hops are a plant, but I think it's very fitting for she who would be dubbed the rabbit woman. Oh, come on. (laughs) The story is going to be... Very dark and sad, so I'm doing my bad jokes while I can. I feel like you need to give me your comedy
1: card and I'll (laughs) put a black mark on it.
0: When Mary was five weeks pregnant, she was still working in the hops field. She and her fellow lady workers saw a little rabbit hopping along and they chased Mm. after it. As you do for meat, much like Mr. McGregor wanting Peter Rabbit in his pie. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to add that this was a somewhat criminal activity, because up until recently in our narrative, people would have had access to what was called common land. And this would be land where poor people who didn't, you know, own land could hunt, they could take their animals to graze. It was just for general use.
1: Yeah, our street used to be a common. Oh! And that's why it's a blank common gardens because of that and there's still some common ground in that place too
0: oh that's pretty nice so is that your little foresty area no
1: it was just like fields, so people could use it to um use it for whatever so you could take some of your cows to graze on there or you could you know just yeah whatever you could use it
0: if you saw rabbits then well rabbit pie yep but as the 18th century progressed land was becoming increasingly privatized and animals that before had been fair game like fish in whatever ponds were on the common land or deer and rabbits were now considered the legal property of the people who owned the land and hunting these animals was punishable by death although <gasps> from what I could read I don't think they were always put to death but you know there was a There was risk involved. And this was hitting poorer people pretty hard. So a lot of poaching still took place despite the risks. And the day before Mary's first rabbit birth, her own husband Joshua had been accused of fishing in a private pond in mass protest. I can't remember the number of men involved with him, but it was something like 36, 37 other men deliberately fished in a privately owned pond in protest against this kind of thing. Oh, cool. But back to the bunny. So Mary was chasing the rabbits. But she failed to catch it because rabbits are like fucking lightning. <laughs> and being pregnant. Prick prick Pregurnant. Pregante. I'm going to avoid using these words the entire way through the rest of this podcast. I just had to get it out of my system.
1: Pregnat.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so being pregnant, Mary develops a craving for rabbit meat. It's a pregnant thing thing yeah. i hear my mom told me that when she was pregnant with me she craved the smell of petrol fumes which i think explains a lot about me
1: <laughs> <laughs> sure that's the story <laughs> anyway
0: so mary wanted rabbit meat and she dreamed about it at night it just didn't go away she went throughout a number of weeks just craving bunny meat the next day after chasing the rabbit she actually went back to the turf where she'd seen it and kind of rested her heart against the earth hoping to see it again but rabbit's rabbits be wily fuckers so yeah. no so Katsumeri, at 22 weeks pregnant it's sometime in august 17 weeks after the rabbit chase and she miscarries oh this is something i'm going to talk about in greater detail further on but we're just going to continue for now what's strange is that even after the miscarriage she still exhibits symptoms of pregnancy such as lactation Which, I I gotta admit, I've not been pregnant, I don't know if that is normal or not, but to her it was unusual, because she'd lost the baby and now she was still showing signs of being pregnant. Then, on the 27th of September, Mary goes into labour. She sent for her mother-in-law, Anne Tuft, who had experience as a midwife, and she voided what she described as the parts of a pig. Oh, what? The grossness starts now. <laughs> you like, you can't warn people after it's begun. <laughs> oh, gross. Okay. So her mother, Anne Toft, upon witnessing this weird birth, sends for the nearest man. Mm. It doesn't matter if you've been pregnant yourself and you've delivered tons of babies. When you see shit like this, you're like, fetch the man.
1: Get the man.
0: We need a man. He had his own man title as well. His name is John Howard and he was a doctor and a man midwife. <laughs> <laughs> in nearby Guildford. Why not just a mid-husband? A mid-husband? I think that up until now women had been kind of in control of obviously giving birth, but also assisting women giving birth. But then men were like, nah, they're doing it wrong. <laughs> we would know. Help those pregnant women. <laughs> <laughs> I think you'll find it's pregnant. Pergant! It's pergante. <laughs> it's perfnat. <laughs> so, Howard came along, and he helped deliver Tuft of what he described as three legs of a cat, one leg of a rabbit, cat's guts, and three pieces of the backbone of an eel. Oh my god, why is she why is she doing this? And they were like, "Um sir, that's a normal human baby, three legs of a cat I don't uh, think you're qualified as a mad midwife <laughs> eel, I see eel. <laughs> <laughs> knows really what came out i think after the screaming died away maybe he just pantsed it and was like uh these things
1: do you think this is one of those um tall tales kind of situations where it was just normal but then it's like yeah did you hear it was this and then it just got worse and worse until it's like she farted out a a whole horse (laughs) and uh like me. I was born there. Fully formed, as I am now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> she popped out a horse and called it Bojack. I'm busy watching Bojack, and that world is weird. The description of the three legs of a cat, one leg of a rabbit, blah, 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 is all Howard's own words. Huh. But I don't know if he knew exactly what he was saying. I mean, it was definitely something, mm. and I think not human, but I don't know what it was. Well, so we'll yeah. we'll leave it at three legs of a cat. After this, Tuft continued to birth dead rabbit parts. Oh. All of which Howard pickled in jars, by the way.
1: Okay. I mean, wouldn't wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? You just add it to your collection. Men, they collect things.
0: Kimchi is all the rage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so Howard added it to his special collection. After this, he wrote to several quote-unquote persons of distinction in town, what? Town being London, and persons of distinction being other doctors. Man doctors.
1: <laughs> Male men people with madnesses.
0: Who were all invited to come and witness the phenomenon. I
1: love that. He's sorry. He's just like, he's not doing it for any kind of like academic person. He's like, this is weird. Come on, lads. Let's look <laughs> at this. Watch this. Lads, lads,
0: lads. Mary was moved to Guildford from Godamon. Guildford. 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 Damn it, the Ds. Ah, Okay, Guildford, Guildford, got it. So moved to Guildford from Gadamon, where these doctors might have greater access to her. And I think so that they didn't have to hang around in her poor person's house anymore. I don't know, that's just my guess. That's fair. So the first doctor to arrive was Nathaniel Andre, who was a surgeon and anatomist to the royal household of George I. I think primarily because he spoke German. He was Swiss, and before being a doctor, he was a dance instructor. Oh, that's fun. And in every representation of him that was made, and there were many after this event, he's always kind of depicted as doing a fancy flounce.
1: Yay. Oh, he's my favorite already
0: then. (laughs) So by the time he arrived on the 6th of November in 1726, Tuft was on her 15th rabbit. Fuck, that's a lot. That's a lot (laughs) of buns. And even though there were 15 rabbits, because she gave birth to these rabbits- in parts, I'm gonna put a little pin in the bubble of our fantasy and say that no rabbits were born live.
1: Oh no, none, none ever. I mean, let us that's,
0: that's a good thing. Yeah, suppose they don't suffer. Yeah. Yeah, a live rabbit birth would imply a live rabbit insertion. And yes, I can't even hold Bun Bun in my own arms sometime. Let <laughs> alone... <laughs>
1: My vagina. Wait, I mean, This is gross, but I think Gandalf, he's so chill, he would let anything happen. He's just like, oh, okay. But if, if this was Bun-Bun, I, I would just be... I would have my entire lower half just severed if I tried to do that. I just wouldn't have any lower half anymore.
0: She's lying very peacefully on the floor, not suspecting a thing. <laughs> <laughs> so she birthed 15 rabbits, but there were more than 15 births because it was happening in pieces. In
1: stages. Oh oh so they kind of pieced together the rabbit bit. Yes. Oh no. Was she still, like, did she have a bump and she was still lactating?
0: Some of the doctors said that she was still lactating. Others denied that they saw any proof of that. San Andre, <laughs> he was... So when he arrived, he got to witness her going into labor pains. She'd start convulsing quite heavily. And then that would lead to her delivering this... In his case, in mean, his first experience, she delivered the skinned torso of a rabbit with oh. its heart and lungs intact. Oh. Several hours later, she delivered the lower half of the rabbit, uh. and then a little bit after that, she birthed the rabbit's head, complete with fur.
1: Oh, for fuck's sake!
0: <laughs> so he was like, "Oh my god, I've been waiting my whole life for this," and he fully believed that she was the mother of rabbits,
1: even though every sing- after every single piece, she was like, "Oh, I'm pro- oh, I really need to go to the loo. Please excuse me." <laughs> And then she would come back.
0: You asked about the, the whether she had a baby bump because she'd go into these painful convulsions before each birth. He was convinced that he could see movements around that area, and he was convinced that little bunnies were like hopping around in her uterus,
1: <laughs> as they do. <laughs> Now, was he like a doctor like my brother is a doctor, like he just likes to play with b- like <laughs> you know, the non medical kind is what I'm trying to say.
0: He did English lit for like eight years and Yeah. <laughs> it was kind of it was a weird time. You didn't need a university degree to be a doctor you could just be a very interested rich man. I didn't go into San André's oh. medical history. God, I love that. The the gentleman scientist that
1: just exactly. has enough money that they can just decide to be a doctor.
0: Exactly. Mm. I don't know how much studying had gone into his medical degree, but he, he was <laughs> at least prominent. The secretary to the Prince of Wales, Samuel Malinu, also visited on the 15th of November and again on the 23rd. So very important people popping up for Mary. Next to arrive, and this name, I don't know, Syriacus Arlis? He was George the First Surgeon, and he arrived on the 20th of November, and was presented with a wadded-up ball of rabbit skin that Toft had delivered. Okay, good. Delightful. Mmm. He was a little more skeptical. He wondered how something could be skinned in the process of being birth. Because remember, she'd given birth to the skinned torso. But Howard explained that the violent pressures of the uterus against the pelvic bone could totally do this. Because I don't know if women fucking work down there. It's way, it's
1: well complicated. It's well
0: complicated.
1: That's the scientific term.
0: Half the time, women give birth to baby smoothies. It's just their fucking uterus and pelvic bones that, Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's just mm-hmm. a big old mush, and I don't
0: understand it, and it's stupid. <laughs> later, Alas witnessed Toft giving birth to the hind part of a rabbit, and remained very suspicious throughout. He suggests in his later writings that Howard, the Guilford doctor, might be behind the deception. And oh. what's great is you can read a number of the pamphlets written by these doctors online, and I think that Alas is definitely the most skeptical. He mentions that in some of the rabbit corpses that came out, he found poops inside the body, oh. which suggests that the rabbits had eaten food outside of Mary's body. does indeed. On the 28th of November, the celebrated obstetrician Richard Manningham arrived. Sir Richard Manningham. And he witnessed Tuft to be delivered of several pieces of what seemed to be a hog's bladder. Oh. So good, not just okay, rabbits. Good. Yeah, good, good, good. Cynical or believing, all of these men took these strange events very seriously. They subjected Tuft to constant surveillance, they wrote in their little notebooks and meticulously recorded, uh, meticulously recorded all of their observations. Although, there's no reason to think that they were at all gentle with her body. Mm. Reading through what they say, it seems like she was thoroughly prodded and rigorous explorations of her vagina and cervix took mm. place. Oh, no! Which is it's what I want in a doctor. <laughs> yeah. So so, Manningham, for example, reports his disbelief that the pieces of Hug's bladder came from her uterus, and he comments that her cervix was closed to the point where not even the tip of a dagger might pass through it.
1: Okay. <laughs> and it's like, and I would know, I would know what takes the tip of a dagger. <laughs> that's, that's my personal business, though. that's my downtime activities. <laughs>
0: that's just my, my, my bodkin fetish. <laughs> if he's pointing about how closed her cervix is, you've You've got to imagine him elbow deep up there going poke 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 poke. Oh, can God. i open your cervix so it seems like she had very little say in what actually happened to her body and animal pieces were painfully pulled out of her vagina and in one case punched in further by oh, alice no apparently she was she had this animal piece and alice was like well to give birth you have to feel pain punch oh what because they rarely associated her painful convulsions with giving birth so he was like well it doesn't look like you're in enough pain let me just i don't know give you a good yeah oh fuck and it wasn't that these doctors were incapable of compassion but there's no need to feel compassion for a poor simple rural woman she's not really a person just something to study
1: yeah yeah
0: so like a dumb piece of flesh they literally needed to dig into to get the truth this it kind of it resonated with me because i've been very sick before especially when i was 21 when i had to spend some time seeing doctors and i just have these Very graphic memories of being roughly handled by certain doctors during that time and Mm -hmm. how they made me feel less like a person and more just like a body. It's not that they were being particularly rough with me. It's just that when you're sick and scared and in pain, those feelings are magnified. Yeah. And Mary's not this disembodied mastermind going (laughs) behind the scenes. Yeah. Regardless of why she did it, which we'll go into, having dead animals up your vagina is going to be so yes
1: i imagine i i I couldn't tell you that's my personal business
0: (laughs) (laughs) my special bun bun times will never come out (laughs) and then having animal chunks punched further up your vagina is not going to feel like a soothing massage listen
1: i tried a menstrual cup once and i (laughs) thought i was going to fucking die i just wanted you to chop my body off because it was so ridiculous and so i can't imagine I, I, oops <laughs> <laughs> and I just dropped something. I did it very wrong and I found out what happened. I think I told you this before and I can't remember if we edited it out or not, but it's like trying to remove it as well was so painful, but that was because I was basically like toilet plungering my vagina because I did it wrong. And yeah, it's, it's, I can imagine that it's incredibly painful having animal parts up where they should not be.
0: Menstrual cups, man. I mean, When in the beginning you're folding it into fucking little origami shapes. (laughs) And then suddenly, too soon, it's like... And you're like... "Ah!" (laughs) Like a pop-up tent inside
1: you. (laughs) That was horrible.
0: (laughs) It's not like anybody ever sits you down in a class where they teach you how to do these things. Even if you're not American and get good sex education, it's still... It's hard. But anyway. So a bunch of doctors were getting all up in Mary's business. But a certain question springs to mind namely why? Yes. Why? Why? Why though? Why? Why? Maybe why? Why did these important doctors think it was so necessary to painstakingly examine a woman who claimed to be birthing rabbits? And why did it take them over 7 weeks to announce these claims as false? It's not like they were stupid and it's not like people hadn't made fraudulent claims before, so why not just say, yeah, right. Yeah. But if we've learned anything about wombs during the time that we've been podcasting about them, it's that we've learned nothing about wombs. Yes. I mean, what are wombs really? Strange creatures?
1: Yeah, I like the little the little golden mole kind of wandering
0: womb one. (laughs) Little wombs that wander around the body until they strangle their owners like rebellious pets. Yeah. Maybe Wet hot sponges that issue vapors that go to a woman's brain and stop it from working. Mm -hmm. I mean, do women even know how to menstruate properly? And from what we've just said, we (laughs) don't No. <laughs> it's really hard, guys. Yes, yeah, fucking difficult. So, early 1700s, Britain was fascinated by the human body and its processes. And by human, I am including the female species, harder that may be to believe. Mm-hmm. But a lot of what happened in the body, including processes linked to pregnancy and birth, were shrouded in mystery. Most medical knowledge was acquired through dissection at this stage, and that's not going to give you all the facts. Mm. So, much like women's minds, their bodies were portrayed as unknowable. <laughs> and what's also interesting is that medical knowledge lay people's knowledge say so a man on the streets and rural superstition overlapped way more than it does now and i mean fair enough today we have politicians saying that a woman's body can just you know shut down their whole womb thing in instances of rape yeah but we don't have doctors saying that, or if we do, don't tell me because I want to hold on to my will to live. We've
1: only got so many things that we, you know, that keep us alive on this planet. Please don't ruin that for us. (laughs) Don't at me. Yeah, (laughs) I'm not taking criticism at this time. Good day.
0: So mysterious women, mysterious wombs, who's to say that a woman's uterus might not, under certain conditions, produce monsters? And in Mary's case, a particular theory had relevance. This theory called the Maternal Imagination Theory, blamed women's imaginations for their monstrous offspring. It's thinking that's doing it. So stop it. Just stop the thinking. Basically, what a woman saw or felt while pregnant would imprint itself on her imagination, which would then physically alter the fetus. So pregnant ladies, read Game of Thrones and you might become the mother of dragons. Just saying. That's cool. Yeah, I think I might. That sounds good. Except don't read Game of Thrones because it's (laughs) fucking terrible.
1: You're terrible. (laughs) You're
0: terrible. So as discussed in my episode on hysteria and my other one on tuberculosis, the link between the mind and the body was very interesting to the Georgian and Victorian British. Although I would hazard to say it wasn't fully understood. And... (laughs) What?! Bold claims. And much like mania and melancholia, which I've also discussed, this theory goes back to ancient Greece and Rome to be found in the works of Aristotle, Galen, and Pliny. Karen Harvey in her book The Imposterous Rabbit Breather Rabbit Breather? Rabbit Breeder (laughs) which was one of the greatest books that I read about this topic. She mentions a surgeon and physician called Daniel Turner who in 1714 wrote a treatise on how pregnant women's imaginations might mark their fetus's skin. So according to Turner an external object creates an internal emotion so far so good a lack of bagels makes me sad that change in my spirits or soul will then stir the spirits that run along my nerves and it will cause other changes to my humors or the circulation of my blood which then affects my or- organs which affects my fetus makes sense if science checks out yeah. then my my fetus is a bagel right or my child can't stop eating bread or my child has a bagel shaped birthmark Oh, my child is depressed because I'm depressed because I never got my bagel. The science checks out. <laughs>
1: do you Do you want a bagel right now, Pip?
0: I'm glad that you can read the, between the well, lines. Yeah, this, the subtle,
1: the meta text kind of.
0: Yeah. So this theory wasn't universally held, but by the time that Tufts started popping out rabbits, Turner's treatise was in its third edition. And it's kind of troubling for men who believe it, because if you do believe it, women's emotions and their weird bodies are more powerful than male reason. No. You heard it here first, Jess. Mm -mm. Those fucking crazy, irrational women Mm. might... You know, pop-out dragons. Well, this is my wish. Yep, yeah, you're right.
1: Men are all entirely logic and women are all entirely emotions. Yes. Never the... T- and, like, men have no emotions and women aren't capable of logic. So, yes, this checks out. Yes, definitely. Yes.
0: Mm-hmm. And... I mean, we don't believe this kind of stuff today, but I think the pregnant, wo- pre- pregnant woman's actions and thoughts are still very policed. Like, did you listen to enough Mozart while pregnant? <laughs> yeah. Did you read the Velveteen Rabbit, your fetus? Do you smoke too much meth? <laughs> Disclaimer, I've never been pregnant. <laughs> so there was no proof behind this theory of maternal imagination until Mary Toft came along mm. which with her multiple birthings of rabbits it might be why she elicited such interest from eminent men she chased the rabbits that fateful day in the fields her yearning for them grew had they imprinted themselves themselves on her mind and womb mm. and A cute fact, because I didn't know where else to put this, but one word for a creature like this is called a sotakin.
1: A suttokin?
0: It's a fabled creature resembling a small animal that women were thought to have been able to give birth to. And one doctor who used this term, John Mowbray, used to warn women from getting too emotionally attached to their pets.
1: Oh no! Throw your dog out the window, Mildred. You can't (laughs) have you having a sutikin. We want only human male babies here. And please have them be born a rich man. Thank you.
0: (laughs) Can you please just gaze upon and think about money, Mildred, so that maybe you can give birth to some doubloons? (laughs) Thank God pugs weren't a thing back then, because, you know, <laughs> we'd be fucked. <laughs> and one famous Sutikin is Stuart Little, the little mouse. Oh no! In the original book, he wasn't adopted. He was birthed gross. into the little family. Gross, gross Stuart gross. Little, never be the same, break gross, your childhoods. Gross, 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 gross. So speaking of monstrous births, shall we gaze in horror upon the unholy child of our imagination, the workhouse?
1: I think we should indeed, yes.
0: I have some important news to relate, but there's nothing more important than malicious gossip. Have you heard, Jess? Oh, tell me. About Ariel Cooksey? Oh. She seems like a respectable sort of person at first glance. She even hosts her own podcast, Malice, in which she explores the history and psychology of violent offenders. Yep. And for those of you who enjoy true crime, I highly recommend giving it a try. But how does she get her information? Inquiring minds have inquired. Gas. Some have suggested that she may employ occult methods. This has not been helped by the fact that a friend of my cousin's aunt's boyfriend's drinking buddy saw her outside at the witching hour. That's such a credible source. Oh my god. Saw her in the company of a shadowy figure, the devil. Oh. Very likely.
1: Definitely. Probably. Definitely, in fact, yes.
0: Another informant who wishes to remain anonymous has claimed that they threw a rock at a wild hare while walking home at night near her house and the next day, Ariel gave them a death glare as she walked past with a slight limp. As she rightly should, who the fuck throws rocks at animals or witches in the form of animals, Greg? Screw you and your anonymous high horse. Fuck you, Greg.
1: We know it was you. We saw you. We
0: saw you do that. A friend of our friend's aunt's cousin's brother saw you. <laughs> but it's certainly almost 98% true that Greg died soon afterwards. After dreaming of Ariel night after night, get your mind out of the gutter, night after night, chanting in what may have been Latin or a Texan accent. It's very incomprehensible to the British. <laughs>
1: They're very similar. <laughs> very very similar.
0: Gather your pitchforks, angry moms, because Ariel Cooksey is a witch. <laughs> Straight to the top! So, thank you very much for your patronage, Ariel. You make our dreams come true. May you never be crushed by falling masonry or your red shoes stolen. On the subject of podcasts, I'm making a quick announcement that I'll be offering my services as audio editor to anyone that might be interested. We're all stuck in quarantine, and people have shared very hurtful memes that run along the lines of, Friends don't let friends start podcasts. I say, Fuck that shit. You start your pod, Mildred. We live in a golden age, in which you can temporarily immortalize your audible opinions about B-grade horror films, or Sex in the City, or axolotls. You pick your fetish. And if you need someone to edit those opinions to Audible Gold, I'm your girl. I'm poor, so I work cheap, wink wink. Get your people to speak to my people at awfulforeverpod at gmail.com or DM me in Twitter at awfulforeverpod.
1: Great! Really, we record this podcast outside next to a building site. <laughs> Philippa <laughs> takes out all that noise. We're also underwater right now. She crisps <laughs> it right up to this beautiful sound you hear before
0: you. <laughs> Glowing recommendation. So. Like Mary, shall we move on? Another word that I had to teach myself to pronounce. To the banyo. So on the 29th of November, Mary was moved to a banyo, which is a kind of bathhouse. In this case, it was in London, by order of his majesty, according to the papers. Oh my. When his majesty starts ordering, I don't know what I was going to say from there on. I was
1: trying to think of a rhyme, but I was like, you better start (laughs) blordering.
0: Trust my editing skills, not my rhyme. In search (laughs) word, redacted. That rhymed perfectly. (laughs) So she was kept at the banyo under constant co- surveillance for nine days. The banyo allowed for a lot more people, and it was crowded as fuck with people wanting to see Mary Tuft and her magical rabbit-producing womb. Mm. She continued to be roughly examined, over and over in quick succession by every man with a penchant for science who thought himself a doctor. <laughs> but once in London, the rabbit factory was cutting Mary off. Seventeen is enough for any woman. And when a porter said that he'd been sent by Mary to the market to buy a young rabbit, the oh. jig was up. Fuck. Mm-hmm. And a justice of the peace was called in to investigate. Uh,
1: Ruh-roh.
0: <laughs> the truth came out, and like any magician with a hat and a rabbit, the magic was gone. Oh, no. This
1: whole time.
0: <laughs> it was all a hope.
1: Uh, oh, lie. This goes straight to the top.
0: Joshua Tuft, it turned out, had been buying rabbits for Mary and said like when he was buying the rabbits, he was like, I don't care if it's alive or dead. Which... Okay, you know, good. Get you a man who doesn't care what you shove up there.
1: I just, why? <laughs> why would anyone fucking
0: do this? Why?
1: And why would your husband go along with it? Because, I mean, surely you don't want to be fucking that afterwards either.
0: Oh. This got like fucking
1: pig bladders and rabbit halves.
0: <laughs> so over two days, Mary was forced to confess. She was threatened by Manningham, the famous obstetrician and fellow of the Royal Society, who told her that if she didn't confess, then he'd subject her to a particularly painful experiment to prove whether her body was different from other women's. Oh, fuck. I know. Like, bit of an asshole. Yeah. And at this point, she caved, as I think many people would. Thomas. Okay, I can't pronounce this name. Thomas Clarges? Clarges? He was the London Justice for Peace. We'll call him Tommy. Tommy, right. He was Mary's main inquisitor, and during the course of her interrogation, she gave three official statements. I mean, by the time that these were made, she'd been harshly interrogated, she'd been threatened, she'd be fucking exhausted. How many men's hands had been all up there <laughs> examining yeah, her? Yeah. None of them cared about the pain that they put her through. Mm-hmm. And I think you can feel it in her first statement, which begins I will not go on any longer thus, I shall sooner hang myself. Wow. Shit. In her first account, she does still kind of stick to her her story. She said that she really did begin to pass strange parts, in her words, that she had a true monstrous birth. But in her first statement, when this happened, a mysterious woman came along and suggested that she could make money by inserting animal parts into herself and continuing with fake deliveries. Okay,
1: I... I, how? It's like... (laughs) I understand you like you get a thing and you want to make it into a business that's good. So it's like you know the thing, you do it. The like number 1, put rabbit parts of vagina. Number 3 is blank. Number 4,
0: profit. profit. <laughs> What's number 3? How? If only she'd elaborated. <laughs> yeah. So this woman, she demanded some of the step 3 profits and she Helped insert the animal parts into Mary's vagina. But before I allowed anyone to help stick animals up me, I'd be like, what's step two? Yeah, we need to know that bit. Let's put a pin in step three. <laughs> Elaborate on step two. Do you have a PDF mm. document? I would like that very much. <laughs> yeah, just like a little presentation would be great. Some pictures. Diagrams. Yeah. Visual aids, yeah, that kind of thing. So this mysterious woman was the wife of a traveling knife and shoe grinder, apparently. Okay. <laughs> Good, a credible source. And Mary didn't know any more than that. She also cleared the people that she that she knew, such as her mother-in-law, her husband, her sister, and all the other unlookers of the births. Tommy was having none of this so he interrogated her the next day on the 8th of December. This time, Mary states that she has no idea how the rubber parts got inside her, oh. and that she believed her mother-in-law, Anne Tuft, and the doctor John Howard had inserted them without her knowing. Right. Yes? Mm. Tommy was pretty irritated with this. He charged Mary with imposture and she was committed to the nearest correctional facility, the Westminster Bridwell Bridewell. Bridwell Bridewell They're going to Definitely give me My indefinite leave to remain
1: <laughs> Also I just love that He was like Sneaking thing, Or she said that He was sneaking things Up into her vagina Because <laughs> I can just imagine Waking up And just being like Oh what And like
0: Shuffling about And be like Who put this goddamn beach ball In there What <laughs> the fuck My vagina's where I put all my Spare things And sometimes I forget That they're up there Yeah it's just a Cavernous kind of Black hole Mm. that you can just
1: put things in and take out really easily, like a pocket.
0: That's why women dresses don't have pockets. It's because we've got a built-in one. Nature's pockets. It's (laughs) all right. Sometimes I'm looking for my keys and I'm like, hey, Strix, have you seen my keys? And then he's like, have you checked your vagina? And I'm like, I've already... Oh, oh, jingle jangle. Oh, there we go.
1: There they are. There they are. Or like, you know, you sit cross-legged and your car goes... (laughs) And you're like, oh, fuck, I just... Press the fucking doot doot button with my vagina pocket. Let's move away from this bit. <laughs> I thought you were going to say on? sometimes your vagina goes doot
0: doot, and that's where you parked your car. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently Mary was questioned the next day on the 9th, but our third statement comes from a later interrogation that took place on the 12th of December. This time, Mary gave Tommy what he wanted, a culprit. She absolved her husband of the crime again, but she stated that his mother, Anne Tuft, was behind it all. Oh no. Like the mysterious woman of the first statement, the weird knife grinder, Anne had come to her and promised profit. It's clear from her statement that Mary was afraid of Anne, who seems to have been a woman and midwife of some authority, and she describes in graphic detail that I'm not going to read out, of how Anne inserted the jagged skull of a rabbit into her vagina. Oh no, oh my god. But what's interesting about her three statements is that they give information about her lived experience as a woman, who's experienced childbirth and a prolonged miscarriage that took place over several weeks. I mentioned this miscarriage at the beginning of the episode now i'm going to talk about that using her own descriptions of the experience for a couple of minutes Mm. so please skip ahead if you think the subject will be upsetting to you i'll put in chapter markers so if your pod player has that option look for the next chapter so as mentioned mary's fraudulent rabbit births took place shortly after she experienced what was an incredibly traumatic miscarriage and she used very detailed and painful language to describe this experience to clarges she describes the initial sensation as a flooding. She felt pain for three weeks, because she still had to work in the fucking hops field during this time, because, yeah. you know, a miscarriage isn't excuse. And then one day when she was walking on the long journey home, to paraphrase her, she passed a substance that, without observing, she had to throw away, kind of suggesting that she was t- too emotionally upset to even look at what had happened to her. Uh, mm. After another painful episode avoiding more parts, her miscarriage came to its end, although she continued to lactate afterwards. Mm. So this wasn't just a day, this took place to her, this happened to her over weeks.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. Her description of the experience remains consistent across all three of her statements, and it's clear that it caused her very intense emotional and physical pain. Karen Harvey even suggests that the placing of animal parts into her vagina may have been a response to what essentially was trauma, associating the rabbits with her lost child and trying to hold on to them in her own way, although this is not the only explanation that Harvey provides. But I think that she makes... A significant and interesting point that we don't have any rituals as a society with which to mark a last pregnancy. Mm, yeah. We just expect women to kind of, you know, carry on. Yeah. So when people die, we have funeral rites, but there's nothing to help men and women navigate this emotional and physical pain that's caused by a miscarriage.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely true.
0: Mary Tuft's descriptions of her rabbit births were less consistent because, you know, those were a lie. Yeah. But it's clear that animal parts were placed inside her, which would have been extremely uncomfortable if not agonizingly painful. I mean, these weren't small pieces, like the trunk of a four-month-old rabbit and, as one doctor observed, lots of paws with very sharp claws. and so on. While she hadn't given birth in a technical sense, these deliveries probably made her, you know, fucking sick.
1: Yes. Jesus.
0: If you want a great infection, put dead pieces inside you. So in addition to the pain of insertion and the doctor's they noted her abdominal swelling, her fever, damage to her vagina, and her exquisite torture, as they put it.
1: I'm feeling a bit faint. This is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm actually like, ooh, oh dear, can I skip forward?
0: <laughs> <laughs> can you go to the next chapter? The experience of pain is the overwhelming motif in her statements, and I think that her words are poignant and visceral. At one point, she describes her pain as the tearing of brown paper. Oh, oh, God. And as she tries to tell her story about herself and her experience, she's trying to convey how much she suffered and how little control she had over her body. So the idea that a woman might pop out rabbits is ridiculous and obviously untrue to us. But I think it's quite poignant that a hoax like that could result in a woman's words and a poor woman's words kind of reaching us hundreds of years later, with this very genuine account of what it was like to be her.
1: Yeah, it's almost like, you know, women had to do something absolutely out of the ordinary, completely off the rails before anyone would pay attention to them and take any kind of notice and any kind of female experience.
0: And at the end, the only thing they took away wasn't, you know, the agony of miscarriage. And it was
1: dead, look at this weird lady! <laughs> yeah.
0: Her experience as a woman who felt that she had no power over her own body, she felt isolated from her community, she had her agency taken away not just by men but other women as well, that her body was policed by both groups. With the question of why, I don't think that a clear reason behind the deceptions emerges anywhere. We've mentioned Prophet, but during her time in Guildford and London, she didn't? Maybe someone slipped her a guinea, although, you know, there's nothing proven, and there was talk of a pension, but that never emerged. And, I mean, if that's, if that was hers or anyone else's plan, t'was a complicated one.
1: Yeah. Like, did, did they want to take it on the road as a kind of freak show thing? <laughs> or...
0: A more interesting suggestion made by Karen Harvey is that of political protest. I've mentioned that common land was being taken away by poorer communities, taken away from poorer communities, and certain animals are being prohibited from being hunted by them, like rabbits. There was a lot of resistance from these poor communities. For example, Mary's husband's protest of fishing in a private pond. Harvey mentioned that a lot of women's political involvement involved ritualized performances of the body. So the use of fans and feathers and embroidery. Even today, like, think about the talk surrounding... Our current Queen Elizabeth's choice of brooches and their mm-hmm. symbolism, especially yeah. during Trump's visits. <laughs> mm-hmm. In my old university, in protest against violence against women, we would tape our mouths and lie in silence in courtyards.
1: Oh my god, that's, that's the best university protest I've ever heard. And every <laughs> single university student has done that at one point.
0: <laughs> <laughs> or you have the suffragette's hunger strikes. Or you've got Lady Gaga's meat dress. So the body is, for women, also a tool of political expression, and Mary's body may have been used in such a way by Mary or by the the women of the community in response to their growing poverty and dwindling rights. Harvey doesn't go into further detail, but I think it would be like a symbol of resistance, so a woman's body producing the very rabbits that they were forbidden to poach. So like a statement that the rabbits are theirs by natural right. So that said, if any of this is true, and if it wasn't Mary's choice to be the mother of rabbits... There are potentially dark undertones of how cruel women can be towards one another, and how women's communities throughout history aren't just all rosy sisterhoods of the traveling pants. (laughs) What happened to Mary if it happened that way may have been punishment as much as protest. So, where once the press had been obsessed with the rabbit births, it now became equally fixated on the question of punishment of Mary and her associates. Of course. The response to the hoax was surprisingly aggressive. I mean, she was... Just a poor woman, just a poor woman, who'd pretended to be giving birth to rabbits. But in the process, she'd made a fool of eminent doctors and men of the upper class. Uh-huh. So the king himself had not escaped looking like an idiot, because a number of these doctors had been reporting to George, two of them were associated with his royal household, and when she came to London, all the papers had announced that it had been on his orders, something something redacted orders. <laughs> Crime and rebellion amongst the lower classes was also on the rise, especially among women who were prosecuted for property crime, prostitution, so punishments were becoming increasingly harsh towards these women, and the upper classes were trying harder and harder to stamp down on their uprising. The fact that you've got this uneducated, poor, powerless woman fooling the intellectual elite of Britain made her a target for their their wrath. So she was kept for four months at the Westminster Bridewell to await trial, punished by hard labour, which is great after you've popped out 17 rabbits. Oh my god. But ultimately on the 13th of April, the papers reported that she'd been released without charge. She'd originally been charged with committing a fraud, or a cheat and imposture, but they don't really match up to her actions in a meaningful way because, I mean, what had she done? Pretended to give birth to rabbits?
1: Yeah. I suppose the only... thing is just like tricking people yeah not really a crime
0: if she'd tricked people out of money that would be fraud Mm -hmm. but she hadn't gained anything financially so not a crime not a crime i say as they drag Mm. me away (laughs) (laughs) popping out rabbits (laughs) and i mean the fact that men of science and wealth had believed her suggested their own stupidity rather than her Cunning plan, and their careers were destroyed.
1: Oh, of course, yeah, you wouldn't go to the doctor for so that, would you?
0: <laughs> they were lampooned, and I feel a little sorry for them because it's not that they'd all of them fully believed it. Some of them were just trying to prove through the scientific method what was happening, but none of them emerged unscathed. And as for Mary, she was for the rest of her life relentlessly ridiculed in print she was called a liar, accused of having sex with all the doctors. Called a witch, called mm. a simpleton. Books were written about her, using her as the narrator, complete with bad spelling because she was uneducated. <laughs> uh,
1: her, 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 her.
0: Good thing she couldn't read. Hey-o! Yeah, hey-o. <laughs> What amazes me is that she survived all of it and lived another 37 years. We don't really know what the rest of her life was like because, you know, the rabbit births were over. Who gives a shit? Yeah. We know that she gave birth to a daughter soon after her return to Gadaman, and that her daughter died quite soon afterwards. Oh, no. And for the rabbit popping, she never lived it down. On her death, when they reported it, she was still referred to as the imposterous rabbit breeder. Well, yay!
1: I do feel like it's that thing where, you know, you're called, um, like, Jeremy Sheepfucker. And it's like, I only did it <laughs> once, guys. It's like, yeah, but it was very weird, the thing that you did. <laughs> so, there you go.
0: That's true. I mean, giving birth to, to rabbits. that That's yeah. kind of a defining life event, I feel.
1: Very. Uh, like, it is... I'm very uncertain of where i stand on this because the amount of effort that she had to go through and the amount of pain that she suffered to do it just seems like it would be a lot it's a lot to go through just for some kind of some kind of profit it seems to me that it's it was from like some deep trauma some kind of horrible thing because what sane person would go through all that and then for for what reason you know
0: i take a similar path like i i can't believe that anyone would Purposefully do that to themselves. So my opinion is that her mother-in-law and the community of women around her might have forced that on her. Yeah, for their yeah. own ends, be it profit and or she's protest.
1: Trying to handle the trauma of the miscarriage as well, and then all this is going on for some reason. And
0: it's I guess it's impossible to say either way. Maybe she was that ballsy. Maybe yeah, or the opposite of ballsy, but but
1: was she was vulva-ish. I don't think really, that's not a good one, is there?
0: <laughs> like, maybe you think it's not going to be that bad, and you just do it once, and you're like, whoop, that was not a good idea. But then everybody is aware, and you're like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Moving on from rabbits, some things are nice sometimes, but not rabbits in your vagina. They
1: are indeed. So lockdown town is what I call my house now. <laughs> and normally around this, ki- this time of year, Alex and I would have barbecues, so we'd have our friends over and drink and eat meat in the sunshine. But at- <laughs> There's no friends anymore, there's just Alex and I. And so what we did, we got loads of meat and just like nice ciders and shit because the weather was really nice. And we had a barbecue, and it was Aww. really good. And then the next day, we were like, God, barbecue food is delicious. So we both looked at each other at the same time and was like... <sighs> We <laughs> could have a barbecue again. And so we had a second barbecue really <laughs> delicious stuff. And then the third day... Guess what oh, we no. had another fucking barbecue. So one one day, I had consumed nothing but beer and barbecue meat. Ah, <laughs> oh, that sounds really good. And I was living my best Henry VIII life. And so, yeah, I had three barbecues in as many days because the weather was lovely. We had nothing better to do. It was delicious. It was cheering us up.
0: And it was a wonderful time. That sounds amazing. And I've lived here five years without having a British barbecue. So invite me when when the lockdown lifts and we're all free once more absolutely yeah because it's it's so fucking good i need to experience your culture so people in lockdown town tell us what you are doing in your isolation what are you cooking give us recipes i'm hungry i've had nothing but beer
1: recipes beer barbecues maybe
0: tell us bun bun is yawning at me so i think we need to go <laughs> rabbits have been a problem for centuries oh. All right. so, bye, bye. <laughs>